The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22, from the New Revised Standard Version. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, you know you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? And they answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Well, when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. He was wrong in so many ways. The Pharisees thought they had set Jesus up. Foolish Pharisees. See, everybody knew that to pay taxes to Caesar was supposedly a sin. Actually, they didn't call it paying taxes. Back then, they called it paying tribute. To offer the emperor tribute stood in defiance of their commitment to God. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that they were setting him up trying to find something, anything, to shame him in the eyes of, the, of their fellow Israelites. But Jesus was just too sharp. He said, hand me a coin. A coin that's used to pay the tax. Whose likeness? Whose name? You see, Jesus knew that you couldn't get away from paying tribute, paying taxes. Just like we do. I mean, my father was an accountant. My mother was an accountant. But my father also did taxes during tax season. And the one thing he taught me was, you don't try to mess around with the IRS. They will find you. 
Okay, maybe a little. No, never mind. <clears throat> but they get very serious about collecting the taxes because on the other hand, they spend that money. Actually, they spend a whole lot more of it than they get in, but that's a different story. But they spend it to provide things for all of us. And we all recognize the common good, hopefully, in paying our taxes. That wasn't up for debate. The debate was, who are you honoring in the effort? This is Commitment Sunday. This is the opportunity you have to turn in your estimates of giving for next year. By the way, we don't call them pledges anymore. That has a whole legal thing wrapped around it, so we just call it commitments or estimates or some other euphemism. You know what we're talking about. But that's a practical issue. We need the resources you provide to maintain this building, to maintain the staff, to maintain the programming of our congregation, to reach out into this community and into God's world and service to make disciples. That's just the basic reality and all that. And frankly, I haven't focused a lot on money this fall. Because I know that you know, that I know, that you know. But what I have chosen to focus on is a different kind of commitment. You see, in this story, what the Pharisees try to do failed. But what they accomplished succeeded. They tried to set the bar so Jesus would have to go over it. And in doing so, shame himself and his ministry by acknowledging the fact that he too was a citizen or at least a servant of Rome. But they failed. Because Jesus succeeded. Because if regardless of where the Pharisees set the bar, Jesus set it even higher. That one phrase in there that irks so many people, give unto Caesar, give unto the emperor, what is theirs, but give unto God what is God's. Okay, the bar just went from here to here. We used to have a conversation in seminary and after seminary and all that about the difference between Sacred, sacred and secular music. It was all of the evolution of the whole contemporary music movement that you know we have since embraced and celebrate. 
But back then, it just it sounded like so much bubblegum. Just to say, to be honest, I had a friend who once referred to praise songs as four by four by twenty songs. Four lines of four words sung twenty times. And in the beginning, that's what it was. Repeat after repeat after repeat. Fortunately, it has evolved since then. But it would pose the question, what is it that makes a piece of music sacred? What is it that excludes it and makes it secular? But then that would branch out into other arenas of our life. What is ministry and mission? At what point do we become holy? At what point are we sanctified in the eyes of God? Where's the dividing line? What are those things that are strictly secular? And what are those things that draw us toward an old Wesleyan term, holiness? Well, it gets down to The old creation story. What in this world has God not created? What in this world is not a product of God's effort? The water, the sky, Soil. I look into the eyes of my granddaughter and I see God. A miracle. Now, granted, the kids had something to do with it, but. that spark of life. Every time she cries, makes her presence known to the world, is the cry of God. Asking for attention. God created us all. God created all things in heaven and earth. We know this to be true. And for the sake of extending God's kingdom, God has set a bar. We typically call it a tithe, traditionally understood to be 10%. You know how many times I've heard that term redefined? 10% of what? 
Man, gross. Spendable, committed. I'm on a limited income, so just anyway. But that's to keep everything going. Because God says, okay, the rest is up for you to use. But again, the question becomes, how? How do we demonstrate our commitment to God? By employing the gifts that God has given to us. Which, by the way, is everything. God set the bar here. But Jesus really set it up here. Our time, our talents, our gifts, our service, I've mentioned this all before. But I want to mention one other thing that I'd like to ask you to consider committing to God. This may be the first time, probably not, getting to know you as I have. But it's good to do it every once in a while. Just to remind ourselves. I want you to ask you to commit your heart, your life, and your soul to God. Because that's what's going to sustain you. That's what's going to sustain us. That is what's going to sustain each other. Is our individual commitment to God and to one another. To the children, to the youth, to the seniors, to the the adults. The commitment from in here is what I'm asking for today. Because we need to offer unto God what is God's. Which is all that we are. At the beginning of each service, I ask you to bring your authentic self into this holy space. That you continue to seek who and what God has created you to be. Because that is the only offering worthy to be given to God. What we do here is worship. And the reality is the fundamental root of that term comes from ascribing worth. That's what the Pharisees were asking Jesus. Who do you worship? 
Season? Question mark? And Jesus came back and said, Who do you worship? God? Question mark? You notice in the story, they didn't answer. They just left. Because they knew that once again, Jesus had the better of them. Not through some trick. But by confronting them with the truth. There's no trick to this. Question is, who do we worship? And if I had an altar rail, I'd probably call you forward and ask, just as I am to be played. It's still in your hearts. You can hear the call of God. And I'm offering you an opportunity, right where you are, right in this moment, to once again surrender to it. When we each do that, everything else will fall in place. Thanks be to God. Amen.